Hey, sleepy readers. Hey. I am Marissa. And I'm Liza. And this is a bonus episode of the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. And finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. Hey, sleepy readers. Very, very future risk coming at you. Um, Just want to let you know that this is a bonus episode. We recorded for you months ago, but it didn't feel right to post it until now. Um, We felt that Women's History Month was the perfect time for this to be released. So, enjoy. It was fun for me to see how far we've come since we recorded this episode. Um, And I really hope that you guys feel similarly. And I hope you enjoy. So, for our bonus episode this week, we decided you guys were really wonderful. So, you deserved... um, another mini episode about Mr. Stephen King, specifically women in King's books, or you could say feminism versus misogyny in King's books, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And we've got lots to cover. Yeah. So let's get going. First of all, Liza, do you have a favorite Stephen King book? Um, I don't. Or even like a favorite Stephen King movie, we could say. Like a Stephen King thing? Yeah, Stephen King story. Oh, okay. I actually like things loosely based on Stephen King better than the actual Stephen King. So I really like the TV show Castle Rock. Both seasons before it got canceled are a whole different mix of Stephen King. Actually, I'm going to um, go back and say that Stand By Me slash The Body is my favorite Stephen King thing. Ooh. But I'll go back to my first point and say I love Castle Rock, which is like a mix of a bunch of different Stephen King things. And it takes place in Castle Rock and Salem's Lot and Jerusalem's Lot. Um, and there's like Shawshank in it. And the main character of the second season is Annie from Misery, but it's not Annie from Misery at the same time. And then I'm really loving Midnight Mass, which is also based on Stephen King, but it's not a direct adaptation. So I kind of like when people twist it more, if we're not talking about Stand By Me slash The Body. What about you? That's fun. That's fun. I would say my favorite Stephen King book is The Shining, but I do, I mean, I like the movie, but I only like it as a separate thing. I don't like it if you consider it the book. Yeah. Um, But my favorite Stephen King uh, screen adaptation is The Stand. Probably just, A, it's amazing. Um, And I mean, the old one the like 90s tv miniseries not mm. not the new one I have issues with that one. I I didn't realize how many of his stuff did get remade there was a pet cemetery movie and then then, then they just made another pet cemetery movie and then of mm. course it and Carrie and 
the stand, which I hadn't realized there was another one of that. I would really like for them to redo Cujo, honestly. That, to me, is one of Stephen King's most bizarre stories. You know, thinking about Stephen King books while I was thinking about this topic in general, I realized he has a lot of weird paranormal things in his books. Yeah. And Cujo's one of his things that doesn't have anything paranormal and and it all could really happen. And for some reason, that makes it so weird. It's really strange. I mean, the whole concept, I I don't know where he got that. (laughs) We don't know why he did that one. (laughs) I actually know why. You do? Apparently, he had a motorcycle that was on its last legs. And his buddy was like, oh, I know this guy and he'll fix it for you. So Stephen King rode his motorcycle all the way out far, far away and barely made it to this guy. And he pulled up to the farm and this huge St. Bernard came running at him. And he was just like, I don't know what to do because I'm on a motorcycle. And the guy was like, dog, down. And his dog stopped. (laughs) And then he was like, oh, don't worry. My dog doesn't bite, whatever. And Stephen King went to pet his dog and his dog tried to bite him. And the guy like yelled at the dog, hit it on the head. And then he said, he never does that to people. He must not like your face. (gasps) And so Stephen King was like, Oh, okay. And that's, that, that's how Cujo was born. <laughs> and that's born. how Cujo was born. Well, there you go. So, yeah, I, I'm going to talk about Cujo some more in a little bit. But let's start off with Carrie because that was his first published novel. And um, although many people think that Stephen King is misogynistic, it is something to say that that his first published novel had a plot that only was moved forward by women. And it's about a very powerful teenage girl. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How I kind of went about doing my notes is I thought about different Stephen King books that I've read and also different movies or TV adaptations that I've seen and kind of plotting out connections between them. Mm -hmm. And then I thought back to Carrie And Carrie kind of had each of these, I guess, like archetypes that I saw in these different books. So one thing that I see in quite a few of Stephen King's books is he has magical women. And of course, Carrie's magical. Yes. She does have powers. There's also, and this is very broad and I know it's going to sound broad, but I will explain it more when I get into each of the characters. So there's mothers And specifically in Carrie, it's more of a monster mother, Mm -hmm. which is common in a lot of horror things. Mm -hmm. But um, I would say more common in Stephen's books, rather than having monster mothers, he has mothers that are rather powerful protectors, which I guess you could see is both a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. Totally. Also, in terms of Carrie, I lumped these two sections together, but when I talk about it a little bit later, I have them as two different sections, but I have for Carrie both sex and like womanly problems. So her mom is super, super religious. She's very shamed by her mother. She's abused. I think her mom was mad when this boy asked her out, like she wasn't even allowed to go out with boys. I'm pretty sure there's also a part where she gets her period at school. So not only is Stephen King kind of recognizing 
problems that women face because they are women. But there's also this kind of weird shame thing with sex that happens in a lot of his books, which is interesting to talk about. So those are pretty much the four archetypes that I listed in my notes. Um, But something that I want to talk about before I even get to those is Carrie in the media and in movies and in Hollywood. I mean, I know I've watched both the old and the new Carrie, but only once. I don't think I liked either of the movies very much. And I've never read the novel, so I don't know how much they were changed. But I think for a Hollywood adaptation, it did pretty good considering where a lot of other King adaptations end up going. And I think horror in Hollywood is notoriously bad for women, especially like women actors. And I'm sure it's gotten better, but (laughs) who knows? Like I said, I don't like this, but if we look at the Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, Shelley Duvall was treated so horribly um, that she, I don't think she ever acted again after that. She was very much abused. I'm sure she has some kind of PTSD from it. And unfortunately, when I was reading about the movie, people hated Wendy's character. And I feel like in the movie, they made her to be very much the screaming punching bag. And that's all people saw her character as. And they used her character to also say mean things about Shelley Duvall and call her whiny and all this other stuff, which A, is uncalled for. And B, you could tell it's just being misogynistic because they're overlooking all the stuff she did in the beginning. While Jack takes on this job at this hotel He gets to sit in the room and write all day and she's doing all the tasks that he's supposed to be doing. She's the one taking care of the hotel. She's the one checking the heaters and making sure everything's running smoothly and um, calling the radio people. But she just is a punching bag and a whiny, a whiny uh, bee. Like, I don't get it. So I do think that women are treated notoriously bad um, if they are king characters in movie adaptations. You know, we had kind of a conversation about this, that it feels counterproductive to gender books. However, it feels as though, and I kind of want to talk about this later with the horror genre as a whole, but like, it feels as though men mainly like Stephen King books. And maybe the movies too. And so it feels like, okay, so to give a little bit of context, Marissa and I were in a class of all women and non-binary people discussing how Shelley Duvall was treated in The Shining. And, you know, we're viewing The Shining through a different lens than a cisgendered, cisgender heterosexual man. And so I'm just like, how kind of upsetting is it but maybe like a little bit of a reason behind it and these are people who write mostly film reviews too right the film review industry is dominated by men who saw this movie like where the main the main female character is pulling all of this weight like marissa was describing and being brutalized and horrified at the same time and and when I don't know how to phrase this but like when it was looked at almost through a male gaze not in the same male gaze we usually talk about with film but still a male gaze she was seen as whiny like you said and like to be like a punching bag kind of 
And when you view it through a non-male gaze, which perhaps is inherently violent, you're like, no, 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 like it's a totally different perspective. If that does that make any sense? Yes. So it's like, it's not only who is writing the horror, it's who is interpreting it. And don't you just want to ask some of those people like, when you watch The Shining, who do you identify with? Because I don't know how you could watch The Shining and call Wendy like whiny in a punching bag after seeing how not only was she taking care of the hotel, but she was fighting her husband, who that is her husband. Like no matter what happens, they have a kid together. And like, she did love him at some point. And now he's treating her this way. Like she is fighting her adult husband, whom she had feelings for at one point. She barricades herself and her son in the bathroom and, and is able to get her son out. And I'm not even sure if it, it okay, there, there's the red flag because I'm thinking about how like <laughs> guys will watch American Psycho and be like, I love Christian Bale in American Psycho. And you're like, what? And I feel like maybe some will watch, you know, the shining and be like yeah I'm, you know and jack nicholson and the shining i'm like are we not i i i even am guessing that stephen king would be a, like i'm gonna put words in stephen king's mouth here but i feel like he would be a little bit perple- i mean he wrote her to be the final girl he, and to, um and to have he them calls that movie misogynistic actually good yeah they're good we're always supposed to be rooting for the final girl i think and to have a movie where people are saying oh no, yeah, the final girl is really annoying and I actually relate to this ginormous asshole, scary human being, is like, oh, oh. And, and Jack Nicholson and Stanley Kubrick were pretty terrible to her, right? Yeah, so like, it's like, there's so many layers there. There's so many layers in the film and, the, and behind the scenes. And her acting, I don't care what anyone says, it was, I mean, whether it was acting or not, because she was scared, tortured in my opinion, but it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It's 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 what people watch Hereditary today and praise. What's her name? Tony. Tony Collette. Yeah, Tony Collette. They praise her for what Shelley Duvall did. Right. Tony Collette's amazing, and I'm not taking anything away from her. Yeah. I'm just saying she's getting praised for these amazing facial expressions and um, a cinematic emotion. I guess I would say. Yeah. And it, what Shelley Duvall was doing and and people just hated it and it's just like oh so I guess with the conversation of Wendy I can kind of move in talking about one of the archetypes that I said which was mothers so in terms of book Wendy not only is she a caregiver but she's able to keep both herself and Danny and even uh dick alive at the end and she's not even aware of the full story while both danny and dick have the shining so they kind of understand more of what's going on in the hotel this poor woman is just like i don't know my husband's crazy Mm -hmm. she like literally just thinks her husband snapped and she's still able to pull herself together enough to save people and that's insane we could also talk about Dolores Claiborne who killed her abusive husband to save I guess both herself and her daughter Mm -hmm. so that's another heroic mother 
We also have Donna from Cujo, who we talked a little bit about in the beginning. Again, she was dealing with protecting her son alone in harsh, horrible conditions. Mm -hmm. We have Rachel, the mother from Pet Cemetery, who I'm sure not a lot of people think of because... After her son dies, her husband kind of sends her away to her parents that he can carry out the whole plan of bringing his son back to life. But she makes this incredible travel back, like just with the feeling that something is wrong with her family. And then you also have Franny from The Stand, who is pregnant during this horrible um, apocalypse and kind of like good and evil feud. So those are just a couple of really powerful mothers. I know me and Liza can also get in the conversation is uh, Monster Mothers, which again, Mm -hmm. Carrie's mother would be a great example. Mm -hmm. Sethi in Beloved would be another great example. When we were studying horror and monstrosity in school, was there not a whole kind of miniature unit on mothers in horror? I'm like, I'm, I'm remembering this from class and it's like exactly what you're talking about powerful protective mothers in horror versus monstrous mothers in horror and I kind of want to get into that a little bit later with also the monstrous feminine as a thing and who can write the monstrous feminine maybe and who can't and who can perceive it in different ways but like yeah do you remember this and I think even it had a little bit to do with objection And maybe we're talking a little bit about Freud as well. And I was just wondering if you remember that. Yes, because not only do I just remember us talking about it, I'm pretty sure we talked about it with Beloved and then with another book, but I can't think of what it was. Um, But also I sent an article to the class email. So I wonder if that's the same article that you're thinking of. It could be. And it's almost like, you know, I want to talk about this later too, but like the idea of a woman being abject in horror and the idea of a mother being abject. It's very interesting that now that we're thinking about it, Stephen King actually perhaps writes mothers quite well. And I don't know, much much to think about. (laughs) I was thinking about that also when I was talking about kind of women problems in his books, but I was thinking about a girl getting her period in front of school. Like that isn't an unheard of experience, but it's interesting that a man would, I don't know, write it almost. And I wonder how much Tabitha actually did help him with that. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if Tabitha's like, oh, this is a problem that I had, or this is something that like women experience. And King's like, oh, cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and right. It's such a, yeah. And it's such a like, um, it shouldn't be. And it, I hope maybe it's not anymore. Um, but it's such like a embarrassing thing when it happens to you, it's, for anybody who, like, for p- any people with periods, like, it's, like, absolutely mortifying, and even though it shouldn't be, but he, if I'm remembering correctly, in Carrie, he captures that feeling so well. I remember that scene, and you just get, like, this really, like, like, it's not secondhand embarrassment. It's actually, like, almost, like, you are mortified and, like, so upset for Carrie, 
and so I, right, like, I cannot believe that he was able to capture that, and in 1970-whatever. Uh, yes, Carrie came out in 1974, <laughs> so. Yeah, he, he, like, here, here's this, you know, cis, het, boomer dude in 1974 who was like yeah I'll capture this really universal feeling and I'll make it really upsetting for you to read and I'll do it well like that's quite interesting (laughs) and I I mean I can't speak of all everything that he's created but for a lot of the characters who I thought of uh, for my like womenly issues category a lot of their issues were like abuse that they experienced from males in their life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I don't know I just think that that's also such an interesting thing to have reoccurring yes I mean again uh Carrie has her period but she also has the abuse of her very religious mother so that it's a little bit different but um Dolores Claiborne again she has the abuse the abuse of her husband Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but she's also kind of trapped in this patriarchal um lose-lose legal system book Wendy from The Shining she's ready to leave her husband before they even get to the hotel and she's kind of just giving her marriage like another chance which is something really interesting to have from a male's perspective rose from rose matter she's running from abuse jesse from gerald's game she's dealing with her pedophilic father and an abusive husband who else? Uh, Fran from The Shining. She's again pregnant throughout this whole this whole thing, pretty much. And I'm pretty sure she's. I don't know if she's right in college or if she is not yet graduated from high school. But it is a rather young pregnancy. She's not married. It's a little bit awkward for her. Her mother's not that great to her. Then we also have uh, Bev from It, who's dealing with her very abusive father. And she also kind of has the Smurfette effect, which means that she's the one girl in a group of boys. Yes. Which causes the whole town to kind of think she's a whore and treat her as such. So that's all. Those are really interesting female issues to have placed in a book, whether he does it good or not right I still think they're pretty interesting to have um Mm -hmm. going back to Fran really quick I would also say you know they sometimes tell writers you know they tell us if you're dealing with a big issue write small and if you're dealing with a small issue write big Mm -hmm. I would say that Fran is the writing small for the big issue meaning that you know, the whole world has this plague going on and this fight between good and evil. And while Fran isn't the only character who we get, because it does jump around, I would say Fran is one of the most relatable 
but you know, and all all these other characters besides Franny are kind of there for the big uh, conflict, and they're very much a part of the good versus evil thing. And while Franny is, Franny is more of a character who's just trying to save her baby pretty much and to make sure her pregnancy goes well. So she feels very much um, a piece of reality compared to all this paranormal stuff that's going on. Um, And I think it's interesting that he would choose, that Stephen King would choose Fran to play this part. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something interesting. And of course we can get into, can Stephen King even write this stuff? Right. That's, That's what I'm been thinking about because I'm like, right. It's a question of who can write what right I keep thinking about this idea that like when men when male writers brutalize their female characters is there a violence behind that that we are like condoning even though it's like a character and not a real person that they're allowing these things to happen to their women characters and like you know, when women do it, is it a, is it a reclaiming of that violence? You know, does that make sense? Yes, and I think so. It, it, it also, the other thing that I keep thinking about is it matters what King is doing with these women, no matter if he brutalizes them or not. So, you know, when you're talking about the stand and, um, the Shining, and I feel like, you know, Dolores Claiborne, and even like it, like you were saying, like, we have these somewhat, like, they're final girls, right? We're rooting for them, and anybody who does otherwise is kind of inherently, like, not getting the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then we see Carrie, and it's like, okay, I keep, this is what I keep thinking about. I keep thinking about um, the monstrous feminine and how at times it feels as though when men write about the monstrous feminine, they're going back to this idea that women, um, they are othering women sometimes. Uh, they're going back to this, this sort of Freudian idea that women are abject, um, that they are kind of disturbing Um, And it all goes back to all this really weird, you know, you can get into it however much you want, but of like, you know, what, whether it be, you know, fear of castration or that to men, women simply disturb identity and system and order or whatever you, whatever you want to say. But, okay, so this is all to say, sometimes it feels as though when men do that, when they make women monsters, it feels wrong it feels like they should not have been doing that. But are we not rooting for Carrie and Dolores Claiborne? Yes, they're monsters, but is he kind of doing it in like a way that is a little bit actually feminist and not misogynistic? There's two ways of doing it, I think. And usually I feel like we associate like um, 
does that make any sense like yes it does and there's definitely um a fascination with Mm anti-heroes and I would say that these characters are definitely there Mm -hmm. talking about this this monstrous woman I think one instance and this isn't king but me and my dad were talking about this last night and it made me so mad um and every time I think about it it makes me so mad so everyone has to hear how mad this makes me so one instance of this monstrous female that I think is done so 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 poorly is Game of Thrones Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. have you you did you watch the full thing I did not because I can't really deal with Game of Thrones, but I I I know how it ends, which I'm guessing is like what you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, when I first saw the ending and, you know, Daenerys went crazy, right. I was furious because I just felt like, of course, like, of course the woman has to be crazy. Like, like, of course she can't get the throne. Of course we can't, like, we have this one powerful woman who's good through most of the show and thinks that she's doing the right thing. Um, and, and I, everyone was rooting for her. And even when she has, um, a powerful husband, she never feels less powerful next to her husband. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited about her character. And then we get to the end. She gets with Jon Snow, which is just weird to freaking begin with because yeah. he's her nephew. Okay. And, and I'll get back to that in a minute. But it did feel like when she was with Jon Snow, there was this weird thing where it was still like Jon Snow was kind of more powerful than her, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And then the, the poor girl has to be made crazy. And it just like, and I was explaining to my dad how like just upsetting that it is that I felt like this is a character that both men and this is a female character that both men and women were both kind of centralized around. Like you could find people, both men and women who loved this character. And so she just had to go crazy. Like she couldn't be powerful. And my dad's like, yeah, but you have to understand because she's a a Targaryen and that's like their blood. Okay, then how come Jon Snow didn't go crazy? Right. They gave because her- Because he has, right. he has that blood. <laughs> like, it makes me so mad. And it's just, it was done so poorly. Yeah. And I, I've, I have the books on my shelf. I've got three of them on my shelf. I'll never read them. I'll never read them. A, he's, he's never going to finish the books. We know he's never going to do it. And B, I can't stand that. <laughs> no, for real. I, they gave her like this weird kind of, um, yeah, like hysteria. Yes. And, and, and so this, okay, and this is like the thing, the, the, the issue that I'm having, I, I'm having an issue articulating it, but that like, okay, when a man, when a cishet man writes a monstrous feminine figure, it feels wrong unless the point is that the real villain is not the woman. So it, that works in the case of Dolores Claiborne, I think. You know, I just keep thinking, 
thinking about like my favorite movie ever is Jennifer's Body. And and there we have a monstrous feminine. Um, but the real villain is not Jennifer Check. No. The real villains are Low Shoulder, the band. Through the Trees is such a good song. It's such Just a good song. <laughs> it's such a good song. And, you know, of that, of course, is penned by Diablo Cody, who is a, you know, a woman. And I think that's why that is the, that, in terms of horror, that's the thing that pops into my head as like a feminist horror. That is feminist horror to me. Um, it is very gorgeous to me. But like, you know what I mean? So like, there's, there's an example of, and I think Stephen King might be doing, and you know, I'm like, who is the real villain in Carrie? It's kind of the mom. I would say, yes, the mom, but it's also society. The, yeah, the town kind of. Because don't they kind of like isolate the mom and make the mom kind of crazy? Yes. So it's right. It's not. And here's one other thing I'll say that just popped into my head is okay, I get really uncomfortable with the amount of um, men. writing horror because I think horror is so close to sex so often that it it really feels like women are being objectified in horror a bit too often um and you know that classic trope of if you have sex you're not making it to the end of the book and that the final girl is always sort of virginal Mm -hmm. um is very strange when anybody does that so but I will say that's not something that is popping out to me in Stephen King books Ooh, Eliza, no. because I think I missed something <laughs> because I'm, is, like, I'm like did he create that trope this is the one like my one category that I literally do not have an argument for like he does women and sex bad he okay. does it bad because I think I might just like zone out when he does that because I can't even like like I'm not examples are not coming to me because I think also that I've read too many of his books that don't actually have the female characters does that make any sense like yeah. where there is not a single girl in stand by me he I don't know what it is okay you have to read his short story the raft okay it is just so weird um and 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 this and this is one of the things where not only does he I'll get into this in a minute about how he does this bad but also he just writes sex scenes really weird none are coming into my head which is why I was like where are like I was like where the are stand, they and the stand is just full of them see um, yeah I I've no experience with the stand I, I let's get into let, it. let's get into it. I will say unless you're bringing this up later because I'm really interested to hear this because I obviously have no um, sort of thoughts about this but like the other thing I will say is I was like one more time jumping back to um, sort of the brutalization women being brutalized in horror and you know that one of the first things that came up when I looked up you know what are people saying about Stephen King and misogyny was um, imagery of sexual assault in Stephen King books um and is he allowed to do that and the only 
reference I really had to it was he uses weird imagery of assault in uh, just weird language in misery trigger warning but he uses the word rape in a very weird way in misery Mm -hmm. and 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 that was the one other thing that I was like that's strange right like it's just weird that he's doing that see okay the thing with again Stephen King has a lot of women who have had abuse I mean, both physical and sexual and emotional, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think that, I think it's okay for him to have a character who has that in their past, because that's mm-hmm. simply, I think it's hard to find women who haven't um, endured some kind of harassment in, totally. in a way. Totally. But I think where he goes wrong when it comes to assault is the way that women deal with it Mm -hmm. and I think that Beverly from it is probably a really good example of this so I think I think it's okay for him to write a character who has it in their past but then he's got to write it into their traits the right way yeah. Um, and I don't know if he's always doing that. Um, that's where I think he falls short when it comes to that. Yeah. But in terms of like sex in general. Yeah. This A, like I said, he cannot write sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> They're so bad. They're so awkward. They're very male gaze. Okay. Yes. Probably what it is. Yes. And a lot of times I personally think that if you are going to write a sex scene or something like that um it has to be meaningful in some way mm-hmm. not that everything has to be meaningful but I mean like you as the author have to know like yeah I'm having a sex scene in this part but perhaps it's not just a sex scene like you should never have just a sex scene I feel like right and he does that a lot um But one thing I found is he also has, also Stephen King, uh, I have to ask you a favor. (laughs) Uh, From reader to writer, stop writing about women's breasts. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, her breasts were pointed due north. Like, shut up. I I think he even says something about Annie's breasts in... (laughs) Misery, which I talked about this in the, our last uh, the, in the, our last Stephen King episode that I was like, I was very, even though Annie is unmistakably a villain, like she, I don't even know if we think she's an anti-hero. I mean, she's, you know, and, and, and then knowing that he was, Annie was not really Annie. She was cocaine, whatever. But I was very put off by the way he described her body. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the way, you know, he could have very well focused on her personality and not been like taking this like plus sized woman and sort of like exposed her in this way um, and talked about her. Like, I thought that was really gross. And so to know that he does that he with all his female characters is just like, mm. She's another uh, 
monster, lady monster gone, gone bad. He didn't yeah. make it clear enough that it was about cocaine. No. For him to like talk right. about it, her the way that he did. It's really weird to me because he, he takes a, he, in, in that case, yeah, he has this woman who is a monster and then he's like, oh, by the way, she's kind of a social pariah. She's plus sized. She's weird and she's dumb. And she's like from the Midwest or whatever. And I'm like, you just took every like stereotype that it, it was just very gross the way he mm-hmm. did that. It would have also been gross if he was, if he went the other route and was like, yeah, she's like super hot and has me captive. That would have been weird too. Right. I, but there's clearly some way he could have gone about that one. <laughs> Better. I'm happy that Kathy Bates um, got Dolores Claiborne to kind of and, and, redeem and, her. And she said, Kathy Bates said, that was her favorite movie she was ever in. Misery Dolores, or Dolores? Oh, Dolores okay. Claiborne. So I was like, yeah, she got she got two kind of Stephen King moments. And then I was I was like, that's cool that that's her favorite thing that she was. Right. In. Yeah. So anyway, that that's just that reminded me of that when you were like, oh, he needs to stop talking about boobs. Yeah. I mean, hot take maybe, but I feel like when someone is reading my work, I do not want them to know whether I am male or female. I want them to know only like my story. Mm-hmm. And the more he adds in weird, whenever he notices a woman, a, a woman, it's like he's like boobs. And that's a very, that's a very male thing to do. A lot of male writers do that. Like the minute you said that, that her boobs were like pointed due north. Like I thought of like the way that Murakami talks about women's breasts. And I was like, what is with straight guys doing this? <laughs> it's weird. You know how in, uh, oh shoot. What's the movie with Amanda Bynes? It's not. She's the man. No, the one where she's like a princess. Oh, what a girl wants. Yes. <laughs> you know when they're like, chew like you have a secret. Mm-hmm. I think we should, as writers, let's write like we have a secret and we don't want people to know who we are, okay? Yeah, Stephen King, write about women's bodies like you have a fucking secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then to get into sex, whatever, I've noticed that he usually uses sex as either as like shame that leads to punishment mm-hmm. it's it, it can often be some kind of inciting incident probably the biggest example would be uh gerald's game poor jesse is chained to this bed and what was the inciting incident of that book sex mm-hmm. sounds like a punishment to me yeah in cujo we again have donna and I don't know if it's like this in the book, but I'm pretty sure in the movie she's cheating on her husband. And that kind of leads for this to happen. So again, sex is shame and punishment. Then we have, actually, I'm going to talk about her last. Um, then we have uh, Fran, who, again, she gets pregnant really young with her high school or college sweetheart boyfriend and has to carry this whole damn baby mm-hmm. during this plague. Then we have Nadine, who Nadine to me is a very Eve-like character. 
her dreams about Randall Flagg, who if you don't know, he's the bad guy. Her dreams about Randall Flagg are often them having sex. And that's kind of how she 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 becomes more evil the more she meets him in her dreams. Mm. She even ends up seducing Harold. Mm-hmm. So it's very like again, very Adam and Eve. She bites the fruit of <laughs> the apple, who is, you know, uh the little snake's Randall flag. And then she seduces Harold, who I guess is Adam, even though Harold literally just deserves nothing in the world (laughs) i hate him so much and then we and and, you know nadine i never liked her growing up but the more i think about her character there were times where i think she wanted to be good but she just truly felt like she had no way out which i think is very much like an abusive relationship which is interesting and okay now we're going to talk about it Mm -hmm. I don't know and I know no one likes this scene and I have mixed opinions on it but poor Beverly again she's abused by her father she's kind of shamed for growing up I'm pretty sure there's a scene where she like brings home a tampon or something and her dad gets really upset about it I think I think King is also trying to do something with the blood in the bathroom. She keeps seeing blood kind of coming up from their sink and the whole bathroom is like filled with blood. And I don't know, I think blood in the bathroom and I think a period. So I think that he's trying to kind of hint at something like that for her. And sex is kind of like her it in a way. And then we got to talk about the sewer scene, which everyone hates. And let's talk about why. Here's what happens, if you don't know. So, you know, they have to go into the sewers. Fun stuff happens down there. They, I'm pretty sure they defeat it. And this is when they're kids. They defeat it in the sewers. But on their way back, they kind of get lost and they can't remember how to get back up to the surface. And Beverly has this interesting decision. And she thinks that for them to remember how to get out, she has to have sex with each of the boys. And that's how they get out of there. He did kind of use her. And it is very gross, especially because, A, she's the only girl in a group of boys. Very upsetting. Uh, B, she's been sexually abused before. And the fact that she's doing this with all of her friends and pretty sure she's taking their virginities is very interesting. Um, and then C, again, they're all underage kids. Right. That, I, sorry. When you were just like talking about it, I was like, are you shitting my dick? Like, I was like, I was like, I, mm. do they do that in the new one? No, it's not in the movies. Oh, thank God. Jesus Not Christ. in any of the movies. Yeah. I was like, wait a damn minute. Oh, thank God. Um, but it's in the books. And 
people have mixed opinions about it, which is interesting. Why did he do that? I'm sorry. I'll tell you why. <laughs> if you know, I also said on the last podcast episode of First King that I will not touch that book simply because of how long it is. <laughs> but now I'm really not going anywhere near it. <laughs> uh, so at the point in this book, the kids know that it comes out every 27 years or whatever. So the kids knew that there would be an eventual point where she would have to where they would have to get back together again. So I, I'm, I'm not positive, but I think Beverly did this to kind of solidify their bond um, and to make sure they were connected. And I don't think Stephen King commented on this until 2013 when he kind of talked about what the, the scene represents uh, by saying that at the moment he wasn't thinking of the sexual aspect of it instead he wrote it as the connecting link between childhood and adult and adulthood as the losers knew that they had to be together again and described it as quote another version of the glass tunnel that connects the children's library and the adult library end quote but he's aware that with time there has been more sensitivity and attention to issues like underage sex and more (laughs) um he was like like, all right okay this is why (laughs) he was like let me explain he's like wait a minute i think people are a little bit sensitive to this (laughs) oh my god steven and i think beverly is one of the characters who shows little trauma which I, and I know everyone deals with trauma in different ways, but I just think that that is poor writing for her to deal with it that way, if that was her dealing with it. And it's interesting. You know, he is a boomer dude. And I do think that he often writes about sex as a way to form a connection between characters uh again we can say nadine and randall flagg they have sex to solidify the bond so that she knows that he is his and i'm saying it like that because he is the, the the devil and that's how he would say it so i do believe that he was like that i do believe that stephen king genuinely did not think about it and that he was literally like oh, uh, I just want these kids to be connected forever. And you know how you connect people forever? Sex. I, I don't have an excuse for him. He does it, he does it bad. He does it, I, I believe that he thinks that. I don't think he had like bad intentions. But, you know, the road to hell paved on intentions. Oh, Mr. King. <laughs> Jeez, Lord. So I think that what he's doing um, with a lot of his female characters in terms of sex does follow this kind of horror narrative that if you have sex, something bad will happen. Or I mean, to quote Randy 
from Scream. If you have sex, you die. Mm-hmm. Why is the horror genre like that? I don't know. And you know, I'm also thinking of Carmen Maria Machado's one story with the the plague. Yes. And and I mean that kind of also follows that theme because the plague is still approaching her even while she has sex with people. You know what I mean? Like she'll have sex with people and move on and the plague moves behind her. You know, it's not feminism. <laughs> it's not feminism, Mr. King. Hey, hey, listen. <laughs> In case you wanted to know, it's not feminism. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, man. It's not fun. Let's just move right on from that one. Yeah. Jeez. The other one that I talked about that he does a lot is magical women. Again, carry his powers. And I wrote a list of six characters. And of those six, three of them have been portrayed in the movies or TV adaptations as uh, by Black people. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that the first time I'm talking about Mother Abigail, I know that she was written to be a Black character in the book. I'm not sure about the other two. Um, and, you know, the idea of the magical Negro, as it is called, is something that Stephen King does a lot. Mm-hmm. And he says that it's he attributes it to his own white guilt that he does it. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. So. And this came to like this conversation came right when I was like, you know, you were saying all this stuff. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, Stephen King's books lack diversity on many levels. And then I was like, but wait a minute. And now you're getting exactly into that mm-hmm. yeah wait why did so, he- <laughs> I'm sorry people maybe stop asking Stephen King <laughs> let's just let's just leave him be maybe because he's gonna say he's gonna say some things <laughs> it's, it's because of his own white guilt oh my god okay I mean carry on my wayward son i mean again dick from the shining is someone to mention who follows that trope but he's not a magical woman so we're gonna stay away from him and also we are going to we're not going to get fully into the idea of the magical negro because we're just simply not talking about that today racism stephen king in his books is Another interesting topic to talk about, but I I don't know if I have the strength today. Right. Um, I mean, and we talked about this too in like, um, this is a trope also in, in genre fiction. Mm-hmm. And an issue in, I think it was when we were talking about mysteries, right? Yep. And so it's like, yeah, we, you know, we need... There needs to be a discourse on this. Um, and, perhaps- and one day, one day we'll, we will get um, someone who is not 
right what? we're right <laughs> we're, we're not we're not about. we're not the people to talk about this no. but in, we I would love like yeah one day we'll talk about it yeah um but we will learn about it yeah it won't be us talking. no so moving into that uh to start with mother abigail she is i don't know how he came up with her i don't know how he did um but she's kind of the leader of the good people in the stand she's very adamant that she's below god um but she's even though she's um a woman and she is very old i'm pretty sure she's like oh i'm 108 and i still make my own bread or something like that uh she's still a match for randall flag um and takes him on graciously next again i'm gonna i'm i have a question mark next to her name but i am gonna mention nadine uh she's magical for this connection that she has to randall flag um again because of the weird sex dreams that she has he is kind of using her to have a baby i'm pretty sure from dr sleep which i don't think we've mentioned at all yet we have rose the hat who i have not read the dr sleep book but as the shining is my favorite book i am and i did see the dr sleep movie and it was so good i am so excited like i want to read this book so bad Although Rose the Hat is a bad character, she's the villain of the movie. She's powerful. She's amusing. She's smart. All of her scenes are like interesting. I'm like, I actually want to sit with her. Um, so I, I can't imagine how fun she would be with um, in the book. Then we also have Abra, who is also from Dr. Sleep. She is another kid who shines um but she shines even more than Danny and she's all powerful which I love because she's a little girl and if there's one thing that I absolutely love it is little girls who are super super powerful it's one of my favorite things in the whole world then from the outsider we have Holly whose scene is kind of strange the police don't take her seriously. The men in her life don't take her seriously, but she's a match for the cops and she's definitely um, a match for the outsider. And okay, this is a weird one for me to mention, but I'm going to mention her anyways. Christine from Christine. She is a car that is alive. And a lot of people... I mention her because she is a female and she is somewhat magical, but a lot of people also have problems with her because it is King. It is King literally using a female as an object by making her a car, um, which is super interesting, but that's all I'll say on that. So yeah, the, those are a couple tropes that I found just from thinking about books that I've read and the movies that I've seen. And then uh, thinking back on Carrie. But you know, none of that really, uh, I don't know. I think that we could we can criticize King 
and we can praise him for the things that he does. Mm -hmm. But I think that we should consider the genre that he's writing and ask ourselves if it makes it easier on him or if it makes it harder on him. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, the horror genre, fiction in general, genre fiction is dominated by men. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it easy for him. But the violence that comes to women in the horror genre definitely works against him and I think he does do his best to try to work with this by making anti-heroes but he definitely doesn't always do it the best that he could Stephen King cannot undo what he has done for better or for worse and I think it perhaps is even a little bit too late for him to try again on this end of things. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but I think that we might have to, you know, we're like, hey, maybe next time. I'm like, I don't know if he'll. (laughs) He just came out with a book. He's still going. Billy Summers. Right. Uh, I don't know what's in it. We don't know what's happening. There may very well be a next time. Um, But yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It's another one of those things, like we were talking about with Agatha Christie, that it's a problem that the genre needs to address. Mm -hmm. Because Agatha Christie can't undo what she did, for better or for worse, once again. Um, Stephen King, I guess, has... has one a few more chances perhaps to do something different but I don't know his life but yeah it's like it's not even that an example that is it an example that he set possibly but yeah it's an issue that I feel like needs to be addressed because still when Marissa and I I mean you know at this point that we're reading horror books for all of um all of October and it was really hard to find horror books that once I read the description didn't make me feel uncomfortable when they were penned by male authors except there are some people who are like coming and saying yeah I'm, I'm not going to do that I'm not going to do what you know it, and maybe it's not even necessarily his fault but they're like I'm not going to do what Stephen King said I should do because I, I, I still need to read it, obviously, but I'm very excited because I'm reading um, Grady Hendrix, who is a male author, and he apparently writes phenomenal women characters and phenomenal female friendships, and I'm kind of excited to see. So it's like, you know, it's one of those things like, I think it's still a really, really big problem, and I wonder how much work is actually being done to address it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. when I think of the horror genre I think my mind just immediately goes to slasher for some reason Mm -hmm. and obviously the um 
violence against women in slasher films is insane Mm -hmm. um it's all the movies are yeah we get a final girl a lot of times but that doesn't excuse all the casualties on the way um but I think you also again have to go back to the source material the one the one that always pops in my head is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because that movie is so brutal mm-hmm. I, I I love it I'm not gonna lie I love that movie it it genuinely scares me um and I think everything looks so real the way their bodies just get tossed around like rag dolls that's I don't know it's very scary to me but you have to think what the source material of that is it's based on Ed Gein like an an actual serial killer Mm -hmm. so I mean these horror movies these slasher movies are taking notes from real life yeah So maybe like yes is is violence against women in the horror industry a problem yeah but is violence against women in life a problem mm-hmm. hex yes and we mm-hmm. need to deal with that right right and, 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 and i'm thinking like one more thing like it also comes down to like okay here you are addressing the problem but then are you like how are you doing it because i'm thinking like like we said like yeah like slasher movies are based on real life but then only the girls who have sex get killed. And like, I was like, who is doing like who? And these are, hey, slasher movies are on the older side. Most of the ones that we know about. And I feel like they are a little bit better, but like, I'll jump to, you know, two thoughts I was having is like, okay, so I really like um, Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor and um, the new show Midnight Mass, which is based on Stephen King. And, you know, that the guy who makes that show also does, um, doctor sleep mm-hmm. and I was like there's nothing in those shows that is like really um overt not that being overtly sexual is a bad thing but there's nothing in those shows that is like overtly sexual mm-hmm. and the people who are sexual in those shows don't get um punished for it and um the relationships the women have are often good um like I'm just thinking of in Bly Manor specifically but then I was like I have a real problem with what Ryan Murphy does with women I have a real problem with it (laughs) and I made a whole PowerPoint presentation about this once for fun but yeah it's like I would love to see it (laughs) yeah I will show it to you Marissa it's called Ryan Murphy must go to jail um (laughs) um because I kind of have a problem with what he does to his female and gay characters and I think it's very strange um I was just thinking about it like I was like "Mm, it's like it kind of depends on how you're doing it you know like and what you're pairing it with I guess does that make any sense yes yeah 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 and I, I think that um thinking of like recent horror movies um we've become more aware of these tropes i mean again scream is a perfect example is there violence against women yes but it's taking a lot of these like silly things that horror movies do and kind of like 
tweaking them and calling your attention to them. There's so many red herrings in that movie. There's so many uh, just like little things that they they've seen and done differently with. And I think that that's been continuing the further we get. And I think that slasher movies are are becoming so much better. I don't know. I don't know where I Murphy's doing. He needs help. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, um, a lot of new newer movies are doing not necessarily a um an anti-hero thing that King is doing, but but if you think of Okay, if you think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which came out in, I don't know, the 70s at some point, what happens at the end? We have a final girl. She gets away. She's laughing uh, maniacally. Her laughter at the end is absolutely horrifying. So we know that she's got she's going to have this lasting trauma. She's mentally screwed up. And she's just driving away and watching Leatherface just like like twirling, doing this almost theatrical dance out of anger with his chainsaw. Mm -hmm. So he gets away. Mm -hmm. Then fast forward to, again, Scream. We have Sidney Prescott as our main character. She does have sex in the movie. Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend does end up being a killer. Mm-hmm. And what happens? She kills both Stu and, well, Stu, question mark. Question she mark. kills Billy. Yeah, she kills Billy. He, he, he's dead. Right. Like, we get this kind of sigh of relief so that we're not, I mean, are we having repeated Scream movies? Yes. Yes. But I mean, we're not having this whole Halloween tango with poor Jamie Lee Curtis, who... <laughs> like 30 years later is still fighting Michael Myers. Somebody save her. One of my new favorite slasher type movies is actually Ready or Not. Um uh yes. 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 <laughs> yes. This girl goes through the ringer. Oh my god. But she is amazing. Amazing. Um shout out to also Adam Brody. <laughs> um <laughs> I just think, I think that we are becoming so aware of the things that movies are, that movies have been doing, movies and books, media, the things that they have been doing. And we're now using that to our advantage and Mm -hmm. I'm loving it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm so happy that this is a thing that is getting better. And again, don't get me wrong. I I love all the little classic slasher movies, but I definitely like, I'm okay with violence against women in media, Mm -hmm. only when the women get to do it back like 10 times harder. I like it then. Then Then it's enjoyable. And yeah. And that's another thing, too, where it's like you do have to look at who did it, like uh, who wrote it when that happens, too. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a politics behind it, I think. 
behind who can tell what stories um, in horror. We need to find, I currently do not have any straight white cis males who aren't related to me in my life. Yeah, I don't know. A sing- I don't know a single one. <laughs> but we got to find, you know, someone of, of each variety and have all of them on the show and present like on the show. <laughs> have all of them on the show. Uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and um, present them with different movies that they've seen. And then just have them take a quiz. Like, who did you identify with? I don't even want to fucking know. I'm thinking, (laughs) I do, I do want to know, but I don't at the same time. Why does the only, um, like, you can bleep this, like, bleep out the name, but why does the only straight white man that comes to mind? Beep. Bleeping out this name. It's just a boy who went to school with that Pratt. If you know, you know. Come on. I know. I feel like he would. Yeah, but but he, that's what I mean. His answer would be terrifying. His we'd answer be like, would okay, be okay. American Horror Story season one, and he's like Tate all the he's way. Like, Tate. He's like, I would go for Ansel Elgort in the Carrie movie. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's like, I'll go for Ansel Elgort IRL. No, but really, literally, he's like mm, Pennywise. <laughs> Uh, the dad. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but that's what's scary. If you go any film bro in the Pratt fucking film building and go, hey, I you like The Shining. They're like, yeah, I fucking love Jack Nicholson. And you have to go, wait, sir. <laughs> okay, look, he was good in The Shining. Yeah, Jack I mean, Nicholson. He, he did what he had to do. He understood he the assignment. Good. Right. He but was if, pretty good in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Sure. But like, A, those are the same characters. And B, <laughs> what other movies he in that right. he wasn't that character? Right. No. No. Oh, actually, I can think of one. Uh, <laughs> the one with Adam Sandler. Stop. <laughs> what movie is that? Wait. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, but like, I don't like, wait, let me look it up. Adam, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, that's the issue here. I mean, it's the same thing that's like Rosemary's Baby. And then people will go to the ends of the earth to defend Roman Polanski. Like, can you actually stop? If, if, if Mr. Roman wrote that movie... And that was it. I would say, okay, guys, we got to cut him some slack. You know, he directed this movie. Yeah. He didn't do a great job. <laughs> he, was, he wasn't a great guy. But, like, that's it. But that, you got to look at his life. and Look be at like, his oh, track record. Oh, it is disturbing. I mean, it's like Woody um, Allen, too. Like, um. Oh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Film bros will love to see it. Which, like, okay, sometimes I want to be like, oh, like, Roman Polanski, Roman Polanski, he's, like, had trauma. But then I'm like, no. 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 <laughs> no. None of it negates any of it. No. 
Um, also, the movie with uh, uh, it's Anger Management starring Jack Nicholson and yes. Adam Sandler, 2003. It's a slapstick comedy. He was good in that movie, although he's still crazy. You know, he's still a little he's still Jack Nicholson in that movie. Oh, also, Jack Nicholson is the original Joker. Oh, which men also love. Interesting. Men are like, I love to see it. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, stop. It kind of reminds me of um, <laughs> when girls are attracted, when people are attracted to Joe Goldberg from you. And I'm like, can you stop? <laughs> I'm like, pause. No. Even um, Penn Badgley was like, please do not do that. <laughs> that makes him uncomfy. Yeah, he was like, do not do that, please. <laughs> That is, yeah. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's this sound on TikTok right now that <laughs> absolutely sends me every single time. What do you think, Wackus Bocus? <laughs> Kill him. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's like we gotta make some kind of TikTok, and it's gotta be like when a guy says he relates to these characters and list them, and then be like, "What do you think?" Wackus, focus, kill him. That. <laughs> that is us. When a when a man writes horror, <laughs> kill him. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite things to do is uh if you if you haven't noticed in my writing I love to put men through the ringer Marissa loves to yeah yeah she does I like to make a bad day for a man (laughs) right you do give a bad day to a man in a lot of your stories I don't think there's a single man in my thesis oh no there's a few but they're not important kill him (laughs) (laughs) we were like okay we were like let's flip the switch we were like yeah we were like Stephen King and the boys have been doing this for years we're we're gonna actually do the opposite that's a go for now thanks yes yeah us and Diablo Cody okay one that I I think about a lot is Evil Dead Uh uh-huh because Ash who's a man he is the final girl. But it but it makes those movies move away from horror and into action. You notice that? Have you yeah. seen those movies? Just one. Did you see the new one? No, it was old. Okay. Because I love the 2013 Evil Dead is like one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't get enough credit. Everyone, tell me how much you love it, because I love it. Yeah. The old Evil Deads, they have Ash as the main character, and he's kind of the final girl. But every movie after, like, all those movies, they're more like action movies, as he's just trying to, like, destroy these demons in the Book of Dead. Very right. interesting how... I don't know it's interesting how just changing because the 2013 evil dead has 
a girl final girl. Right. And that is something I would consider horror, whereas these old ones, those are action movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so interesting. Like, did they, are you trying to appeal to men? Like, right. What? What's going on here? <laughs> I would like to know. What? Oh, boy. Oh, Stephen. Oh, Stephen, if you're listening, I hope you're not. <laughs> yeah. It's the way he responds to when people ask him why he did this thing, the, why he did these things. White guilt. He said, well, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with white guilt. <laughs> Bro, I can't. Steven, why do you write about boobs? Uh, <laughs> man. Well, <laughs> go with a transition into adulthood. Well, the nipples point north. <laughs> I cannot believe this. <laughs> can't um yeah steven if you are listening i know you heard all that stuff don't listen anymore if you are listening do not comment just 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 go listen to the other stephen king video yeah yeah oh we are silly we're in a silly goofy mood we're talking about feminism and misogyny i know i'm just in a silly goofy mood well what else is there to say about Mr. Stephen King? I mean, I think we kind of covered it. I think we did. I think we did a great job. I mean, what else? What else is there? Um, so let's ask the question. Stephen King, feminist or misogynist? Who knows? We don't know. We, ne- we never found out an answer. Nobody ask him. Do, no, not, ask do him. not ask him what he would say. Don't ask him. <laughs> Maybe we should just delete this video. I know. That was us, like, asking if Agatha Christie was a racist or not. <laughs> and if we, if she was still alive, she'd be like, well, <laughs> we'd go, okay. <laughs> Stop. Agatha, I think before you say anything, <laughs> just think. Someone asked J.K. Rowling to think before she says anything ever again, too. Oh, so, so, you know, that's all we got to say about Stephen King and his goofy, silly, quirky self. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you see, if you know of any more female characters who fit into these uh, tropes and archetypes that he uses. Let us know what you think about uh, violence against women in horror movies. We want to hear it. We want to know. I hope that you have enjoyed. Thanks for listening. Unless you're Stephen King. In which case, no, you didn't. (laughs) (gasps) Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Bye.